Welcome to Legends of Greyskull, the podcast that dives deep into the mythology of Masters of the Universe, with your hosts Matthew Dooch and Sean Scavana. News, reviews, remasterings and more are just ahead on Legends of Greyskull. Welcome to Legends of Grayskull, the fan podcast where we discuss the history, the mystery, the magic, and mythology of He-Man, She-Ra, Eternia, Theory, Nord, our primus, new adventures, old adventures, labor, UK annuals, comics, mini-comics, anything and everything you can think of with the He-Man, She-Ra, Masters of the Universe, Princess of Power. That Mattel logo down in the corner. I'm Matthew Duch, here again with Sean Skavarna. Sean, how are we doing today? I'm feeling all sorts of revived and refreshed because we're doing new stuff today with our uh, recording equipment. So this is really cool. <laughs> we are working on it. That is yeah. sure. Um, thanks, everybody, for tuning in. Uh, if you notice, I did not say a number for this episode. because this Was is, that deliberate? That was deliberate. I know everyone's itching for our 100th episode. This is not 100. It is not a number, but we needed to get a show out. Um, and basically, all we're doing today, folks, this puppy right here, Masterverse, issue number three, came out. We are hard at work on episode 100. We got big things planned. It's going to be an event. And we had to make the decision now do we go over issue three now? Or do we hold it until after 100's done? A little bit of a spoiler alert, guys. Episode 100 is going to be multiple weeks. It's <laughs> that big. So we figured instead of, instead of pushing issue three off for basically a month, we'll just jump on, we'll discuss issue three, and, uh, and then I promise you next episode is episode 100, part one. Unless, no, just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> there is, at this point, there is no unless. We're plowing into 100 no matter what we do here because we've we've teased it long enough. Yes. It, 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 before play's over, <laughs> it's time to plow 100, as Sean said. Lay, lay some pipe, yeah. So. <clears throat> oh. <laughs> All right, let's get into it then. Masters of the Universe, Masterverse, number three. Script by Tim Seeley, with the frame and story. Art by Eddie Nunez, color by Rico Renzi, and letters by Darone Bennett. First story is Warrior Goddess of the Shattered Waste. And that's art by Claudia Balboni, color by Rico Renzi, and letters by Darren Bennett. The second story is Twilight of Eternia. That's art, colors, and letters by David Rubin. Standard cover is Eddie Nunez. Variant cover B is Claudia Balboni with Rico Renzi. And cover C is David Rubin. Any of those names mean anything to you, Sean? I know you're more of a comic guy than I am. Eddie Nunez, yes. Anyone else? Other, I, I, obviously, other than Tim Seeley, Eddie Nunez, after that, I don't have much on anybody else listed there, unfortunately. I probably should have done some research here. The one thing I'm curious about is the David Rubin because he did everything. So mm -hmm. I'm curious what else he does. Um, if that's like his normal thing, 
I feel like I've seen his work before, but I could not tell you where I've seen it though. It looks familiar. There is this, there's definitely a familiarity to his line work and to the way he draws, but I'm also wondering if maybe like if he's European, then that means there is kind of like a European comic style and maybe he has just that training or whatever, but, or that influence. He was Uh, born in Orense, Spain, mm -hmm. October 19th, 1977. He is an animator and cartoonist. Hmm. Uh, Trying to see a quick list of his books. Uh, Definitely some Libra. Oh, it's like Rumble, Ether for Dark Horse. He did some Robocop, Ether, uh, The Fiction, Sherlock and Frankenstein. Uh, hmm. Done some work on Mighty Morphin Power Rangers. Lots of Dark Horse, Black Hammer, The Hero, uh, Firefly for Bloom. So he's been all over the place. Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously he went to town on this one. And since I looked him up, let's look up Claudia right quick here. Give her a little shout. Uh, Killer Queens. Lots of image work for her. Uh, And she's from uh, Rome, actually. Oh, very cool. International Masters of the Universe. Yes, yes, yes. All right, so we jump into this one here. As we know, we left off issue number two with Zodak ready to lay some pain upon Adam. Uh, So it starts off here with uh, Sorceress and him going toe-to-toe, which I did not see coming. That kind of shocked me. Mm Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, that doesn't last. Like in in my head, I'm thinking that should have been a knockdown drag out, and because it's only a bookend, that only lasted like yeah. a couple of panels at best, and <coughs> off into the new uh, the anthology stories yep. that we're used to in this uh, series. But I I do like the fact that it, it's very out of character for her to take up arms against Zodak. So the fact that that actually happened here is pretty historical as far as I'm concerned. So Yeah. And she doesn't actually beat him. She just pushes him into the next mirror that she was going to show him. Yeah, anyway, but I, so. I just like the fact she's not typically a physical person to do anything like that. So yeah. I just love the idea that it's it's like, you're going to go after, you're going after my boy. I'm going to make sure you don't get the chance to get him. And I, I, I kind of dug that like motherly protectiveness she has of Adam in this moment. Yeah, and it's uh, it's interesting because then she, you know, she's like, fine, you want to see pain? I will give you versions of He-Man that have already experienced pain. Like, there's there's enough that's already happened to He-Man that you don't need to call, you don't need to do anything extra. Mm-hmm. Um, and that kind of sets up the theme of these two tales. Uh, so then we go into... The first story, which is Warrior Goddess of the Shattered Waste. And uh, we are treated to Sean's favorite version of Tila, the Battleground <laughs> version, based on the early DC comics. Uh, she rescues a unicorn from the water 
before mm-hmm. this weird black Ikor can kill him. Uh, we're doing the old Tila, T-E-E hyphen L-A. Mm-hmm. Uh, she is the warrior goddess, and she's traveling the wastelands of Eternia after a great war. So right there, we're like, okay, we we, we know where we are. There's enough anchor points here that mm-hmm. it's like, okay, we know the setup for this. Yeah. Yeah, and I'm I'm usually pretty happily at home with the way that the setup of this is. I, you know, the minute you say the Great Wars and stuff like that, it it automatically has me going, oh, you're going to my happy spot. And I won't say I got to be there as long as I'd like to, but it was still cool that at least, you know, we got we took a little dip into it here. No, mm-hmm. no pun intended with the cancerous ooze they keep talking about in this story. Yeah, exactly. Um, after she saves the unicorn, she hears uh, cries of pain coming from a beast man shaman. Mm-hmm. And he is being taken captive by the warriors from the Stone Tribe. Which I found amusing at the time of the first reading. Because first, I guess that is his whip. In the in the scene in the picture where he's captured by the net, it looks like he's holding a blaster, but I guess that's supposed to just be his whip because he's using the whip in the previous panel. Um, so um, I'll I'll throw it in there and just flat out say, and and I don't mean this in, I don't mean to sound disparaging, but I have to say that the first story, the art made certain points very hard for me to understand what the hell was happening. Yeah. So, um, as far as I'm concerned, and, and I, I hate I hate talking smack about other artists' work for the fact that they're doing it and they're published, and I'm just the guy living in my basement. But this one, from a storytelling perspective, and even from a detail perspective, there was parts where I'm just like, "What is happening here?" And I was very underwhelmed by the story because the art wasn't really telling the story properly in this one for me. So the fact you're having that problem right now, it's like there's more of that to come, and that is definitely going to be affecting my rating on this issue more than previous issues. Yeah, and I, the biggest disappointment for me, like I was just going to make the joke, like he's got a laser gun. How is he being captured by nets? But then I realized in the previous panel that he's using his whip with the big toy-esque handle. So I think it's just drawn awkwardly there. But I mean, that looks like a laser pistol in the second picture. Um, but one of the disappointments for me was Beastman because they used that new, which I don't have up over there yet. They used that new Eternia Beastman design, but he's Mm -hmm. so skinny and frail. And I'm like, that's one of the biggest figures between Masterverse classics and everything. Yeah. With the headdress and the, that skull, uh, harness and everything. And you made him look weaker than these skinny dudes with just loincloths on. Like, it's, well, it's really weird. The the thing... So the thing about the art, uh, for me at least, is anybody she draws looks very lanky. They yeah. have a, more of a slender build, and so it makes it difficult for me to look at certain characters with like Adam, for instance, when he shows up, I know we haven't gotten there yet, but when you see him, 
I'm completely confused at what I'm looking at. Is he supposed to be the He-Man from the mini comics, which was a freaking built huge man? Or is this Adam not having the power of Grayskull being a little more in the revel- or revelation vein before he's, you know, given the power? Right. Or what? I mean, pretty much everybody in this has that vibe of they're very lanky. They're they don't they don't have as much muscle mass as we're used to. It works for Tila because mm-hmm. it, she's a, a woman and the the body type works for her. But everybody else has that issue. And then. One other thing, and this drove me crazy. I had to re- look at, uh, and granted, I have it on my phone, but I had to look at panels to figure out what the hell was happening. Her shield looks like a pizza, like a, like what what they give you, the pizza pan, yeah. whatever. And I, I'm like, this is one of the weakest looking shields I've ever seen in my life for Masters of the Universe. Like, I don't know why. It's like those little details distracted me more than I ever thought I'd get distracted trying to read a book. Or yeah, and, the, and the thing is, well, real quick, I want to say before we move on to all that, uh, I, I do like this image where she's getting the the ancestral champions are giving her guidance, you know, and you've got like up top the kind of She-Ra-esque with the headdress and everything. You've got, you got a female Avionian and... Yeah. I don't recognize the other three from anything in particular, but they look cool. Um, mm-hmm. The one's got a little bit of a snake motif going on with her. Like, I like that kind of idea. And it kind of goes along like what the CGI series did, where Tila is like the latest in the line of mm-hmm. goddesses. So I, I like that idea. And they're, you know, telling her like, you know, you need to, like, you're both alone. It's this beast man and you, so you should join forces. So she takes pity on him. She goes to rescue him. Um, but yeah, he's actually being guarded by this tribe's He-Man who, Mm -hmm. who, yes. And she even says that, uh, the stone people are small and sinewy, but this man is imbued with a jungle bred body, the likes of which I have never seen. So although the artwork does do a poor job of conveying it, like he is supposed to be that jacked up best of the best of this tribe of stone people. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> like just looking at him he, he looks so young and he looks just i don't know it, it just he looks like a teenager going up against a woman you know and i, looks, I don't know he looks normal i mean he looks fit he looks, he looks fit. normal i mean he's barely yeah. bigger than she is exactly so yeah whereas you think he's supposed to be jungle he-man mm-hmm. um, and now that you pointed it out like i can't not see it that shield and it's only got that shield has one armband and it's up on her upper yep. arm like it's like it's like it's a uh like an arm cup like how does that even work like, i don't even do you know <laughs> it, it and, and 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 like i mean typically granted you know shields are shields i mean you can make them look detailed you can make them look as as undetailed as you want but it's literally a circle yeah that's what bugs me the most it's like if you look at anything in Masters of the Universe, it won't just be a circle. There will be something detail-wise to give you the impression it is not just a circle. And again, that I I, I don't <laughs> pick on the artist, but it just yeah. it does drive me nuts to go. You know, as an artist, 
part of your job is giving those details that give you that feeling of the world. And in this, I'm just like, this doesn't feel like the interest was even there to draw the story properly. It's this was a deadline I had to get done. And maybe I'm wrong. And, and it, you know, I apologize if I'm wrong, but you know, I what just, bothered me the most about the art. What's that? And, and this, I didn't know before you said anything about the art, but you know, Battleground Tila is known for her metal bra. Yes. And that's another thing. This mm -hmm. bra that she's wearing has no straps. No straps. It's it's... Two pieces of metal that are just suction cupped yeah. to her chest. I'm like, how does that even work? It, like, it, it... there's nothing yeah. holding them. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And it's like this is like she got she got fashion tips from Ariel from the Little Mermaid with the seashells on her. You know, I mean that's. But Ariel had a strap. It went around the back and it held the seashells together. That's I guess that's, that's true. what I'm saying. Uh, There's but... nothing. She literally like vacuum seals them on apparently. Like mm -hmm. But but that's again you know like, <coughs> part of the story is the art, and the art really isn't doing justice in this case because like. Yeah. I, I, I guess I'll say it right now just to get it out of the way. This, to me, is the weakest of the stories they've ever put into the three issues for this series, as far as I'm concerned. Both from the story, because when it ended, I'm like, what the hell just happened? Like, and, then, and then on top of that, the artwork did not make me want to go back. Like, every issue has had a, a story where something has grabbed me about it and made me go, ooh, you know, like, I want to see more of this. This is the story where I'm like, man, I would actually like seeing Battleground Tila in a story eventually, but this is not it for so many reasons, unfortunately. This is not that story for me. All right, so let's cruise through the story. Let's so, oh. so they're fighting, fighty, 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 you know. Uh, I do like that He-Man calls her out. She's like, yeah, I need, I have to fight witches and demons, and you are just possessed by the ghost of dead women. Like, There's some interesting story points there where it's like, okay, maybe, you know, word gets around about a goddess and she's, you know, imbued with the spirit of her ancestors. And how does that look to like the regular public? Like there's, there's some good points in there. Yeah. Um, and then beast man with his, like throughout it, he's all talking about how they have to, you know, we have to share the gifts. We have to work together. Like, otherwise there will never be peace in this land. Um, and Tila does end up, uh, defeating He-Man, and then Beastman just escapes his binds. So it's that whole, oh, I could have gotten out at any time, but I wanted you both here, you know. Mm -hmm. And even here it says, you know, he uh, he could well grow to be the most powerful man in the universe, but it's too dangerous. Kill him now when he's a boy. Yeah. So yeah, it's it's weird. Mm -hmm. So she's ready to kill him. Beastman stops her. Um, and then Beastman reveals that he lost his entire tribe to this black goo that's covering Eternia. Um, and so basically he's he's come to to recruit them to help mm -hmm. him fight. This is the part where I read it like five times and I still this morning don't know what's happening here. 
this this was the biggest sin but the more like this part made me go back and dissect the rest and that's where it fell apart for me going if i didn't understand that and all these other things visually aren't working for me this is not my fault you know (laughs) so yeah so he beastman shares his story and he allowed himself to take be taken prisoner and he's like i have a gift i know the future and then all of a sudden, a green dragon appears out of nowhere. Yeah. And they're like, oh, no. And it's like, Grandamere the dragon? Yeah. Like, wait, I'm sitting here going, what? And yep. then Beastman goes into, you know, I know the machines will rise up from the distant past, shedding their red-brown cancer. They will remember their murderous ways. We three may be all that stands between Eternia and the evil horde. I was like, wait, what, what was grammar? That I, I did this. I know you're on the computer, or you're on the phone, so you didn't have to. I did this. Yeah, yeah. The wait, pages were stuck together. Like mm-hmm. this, this made no sense. And on top of that, it's like, okay, if he's showing them something of the future, it fails miserably because I there's nothing. To, there's like a portal in the scene in the in the panel right before you find Granamir flying at them and it's like okay i i took that as it was he was going to show them in the portal something but instead the portals behind Granamir in the next panel right at first i thought he was flying out of it but no that's what i thought in front of it and then they just shoot him like and i couldn't think and he's yeah we never see him fall or like he just it's like what was that besides like, hey, let's throw Grandamere in there because people love Grandamere. The the only thing I could figure because of how the next page works is then you have the the panel where it's the three of them and Beastman still talking, and then the next panel, there's circles sort of in the panel with Hordak, but it's not like the portal that we saw. Right. And Hordak's just standing there. So it's like Okay, so this is a, a vision he's showing. So I guess it's the horde killing Granamir. But if you're reading that page, the the page before that, I, like I went back to the beginning of the story, and I'm trying to go. Oh, I see what did, you're saying now. Did Tila have? Because now I'm even doing it myself to double check. She does not. Wait, wait hang on. No, I think I think she got does have it, her so... blaster. She does have a pistol. She does have a blaster, but it's not her. So that page of the horde firing—that's who's firing on Granamir. That is my guess, but that's the thing that bugs me. Is I uh, in in so a comic he, book being able to tell the story visually is a huge part of it, and that's what bugs me about this. It's like if this—it's like okay, if this is a vision. It could yeah. have, they should have found a different way to visually show this is something the beast man shaman is projecting for them to see. This is the future of Eternia. Right. And well, they it just shown, falls, to, falls apart to me. They should have shown Grandamir in the Horde on the same page. Yes. I took it as two separate things. So, yeah. But, and if you go back and look back when he's got them on the ground and he's got the blue circle around them. Like there's a there's like a brownish grass underneath them, mm-hmm. and then after that, there's like this purple landscape. So yeah, he's yeah. like showing them. Okay, so he's showing them after this black goose spreads, 
Grandmere is yelling invaders at the Horde, who you can't see on Grandmere's pages at all. You only yep. see the three of them. That's why I thought he was saying that they were in the invaders. So Grandmere is yelling invaders as he attacks the Horde, and yeah. the Horde's taking Grandmere down. It's, wow. it's, I mean, but look at that. Like, I looked at this at least three to four times last night before I went to bed. And just now with you, you and I had to dissect this just to make sense of what the hell we're looking at. And that, like I said, I, <coughs> I would love to see a Tila as battle art, battleground Tila story, because that was always a fun, uh, I mean, I'm a guy, I'm not going to mind seeing Tila running right. around in metal bikini, but this is not that story. Like I'd love to see a story that goes into the different, goddesses that are like a part of who she is and she's a descendant and like that was probably one of the best parts of the story is that shot where she's there and all the goddesses are telling her yeah. to you know it, you two are alone you know work together and all that that was great <clears throat> but everything else about this story just felt like uh, it, it just felt so like piecemeal and it doesn't add up when you're looking at the page. You have to look at it more than one time. And that's not a great idea if you're reading it. No, even if those, if those two panels had even been on the same page, it would have helped. But really that needs to be like, that should have been a splash page. Well, and I guess yeah. the big thing is it's like, okay, so you beast man showing them the future of the destruction of Eternia. And he's showing that by showing the horde killing Granamir who we haven't met in this story at all. No. Like, so it'd be it, one thing if it was, like, or if, if he showed, like, you know, the, the unicorn and the stone people, and they're getting gunned down in their huts. Like, okay, why would Beastman choose to show Granamir, who, you know, you don't even know that anybody knows in this continuity, like, other than the Easter egg of, hey, we dropped Granamir. That's, that's, the, that's the thing. It's, like, a lot of people now are getting frustrated about fan service and everything. And this is that moment for me where I'm like, this is, it's a fan service moment. You're showing this dragon that everybody knows from filmation. And yes, he did show up in the mini comics around the same time as well, but showing him getting killed off versus the, the charger was at the beginning of the issue. That would have been a hell, hell of a lot easier. Like, ha have the Charger getting, like, roped and, and lassoed by some Horde troops and maybe Hordak kill the Charger or something. And then you're like, oh, he's going to kill everything. Boom. That's all. You, you're good to go. The way they did this, it was it was such a, okay, Grandamir showed up, but literally the next thing, he's getting mowed down. And I'm like, who the hell is shooting him? I thought it was the three of them. And I'm like... I think Tila has a pistol, but no one else here has pistols. Where did that come from? Because they're all firing in different directions. It's not like it's coming from one angle. So, again, like I, I was like, you have to be like a forensics expert to figure out how this thing works at the end of the day, and it drove me crazy. Yep. And so to finish up the story here, so basically then Tila kind of weighs it. She's like, man, if I stand with these guys, it would make me as vulnerable as the Charger, you know. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I am Tila, the warrior goddess. I know death in many forms, and I believe this one to be the ultimate. And it ends with the, the three of them in the steed uh, walking off into the moonrise together. Yeah. And with the black goo behind them, and 
this is another thing I looked at. I, I'm guessing that's supposed to be at first. I thought that was the Viking He-Man helmeted head, but I think it's supposed to be the Hordak. It's head. it's supposed to be Hordak's head. Yeah, but again, I, I it's think... so crudely drawn, and they leave off. I know it's not a part of Hordak's head, but to me, if you're going to draw Hordak's head, you draw his collar piece. Like that's so. That collar is so significant to the look of Hordak that he looks strange without it, and it took me a minute to be like, "Who is that?" Well, it, it, again, that's a you know, with where that is on the panel, that does give you. It's like so little real estate to make the point get across. Which, again, like <coughs> there's there's a bunch of things about this one. Like, I I give credit for the the previous goddesses panel because I did think the and. And I'm always a fan to see, like, here's characters we've never seen before. What could they mean? That's kind of actually really cool. And then the, the only other panel that really made me go, oh, that's cool, is on the Hordak one. You get to see, like, they literally just drew Mondo Hordak. Which I'm like, all right. You know, that that's still a design I like. I know you're not the biggest fan. But that well, was kind of... Hordak is amazing during. as long as he's blue. Well, I no. love Mondo Hordak. I got Mondo <laughs> Hordak on my shell and all his blue carrying right. in glory. Like that's, that's nice in your world, but I like my gray Hordak. That's all there is. To... <laughs> Give so me that for, ashy guy. <laughs> so for this story, I I really like some of the ideas that are presented in this one. Like I like, you know, you know, they're doing that after the Great Wars. You got the old you know, machines and technology and they're going to come again. Like that's part of that early masters vibe. Like we're rediscovering the yeah. battle Ram and the wind Raider and everything else. Great. Yeah. You know, the idea of Tila being a major character, a warrior goddess, she's carrying on this tradition. Um, but yeah, the execution just really fell flat here. I think, and I think, you know, one of my biggest things is, is the idea of Beast Man being on the side of good. Like, to me, if you're doing this story, how do you not put Man-at-Arms as that third guy? And maybe that's just a little too on the nose for what they're trying to do. But, yeah, it just it's kind of weird that this, in this version, seemingly skips Skeletor and Hordak's just the threat, you know? So, it, so it presents some interesting ideas that I would like to see explored, but... Man, this one this one felt the shortest of all the stories we've done so far in this anthology. I think it was. I didn't count how many pages the second story is, but that one had way more meat to the bone than this one did. I I didn't mind the idea of the shaman beast man and the team up because it like with anything that is new Eternia, I am throwing the rule book out the window and going, well, they're doing something else because we already know Jitsu now is going to be with the good guys. So the idea that maybe the shaman beast man, typically maybe he wouldn't be on their side, but the horde is always a unifying factor, at least mm -hmm. the way I always looked at it between He-Man and Skeletor, knowing what they're going up against. But the, the other thing too, for me is story-wise sorceress is trying to show Zodak about why He-Man has already experienced loss and in this story, I'm, I'm looking at it going, okay, number one, it's a story about Tila. Yes. The second main character really is Beastman. 
He-Man just shows up in a quick battle with her where he literally gets taken out by a headbutt, which to me is like, that's pretty weak considering I don't think that's, I don't, I I think that would just make him matter. I think that should have been like him then going full force at her or whatever. and, And instead of quote unquote playing with her in this fight, possibly there's not anything to give you the idea of what she's trying to make the point of to Zodak in this story. So I also go like, why did they need to tell this here? Like, like I, I know I had my issues with the man at arms one, the private eye one, but you were right. It's like him having he man as his, his um, like as an ally yep. and also being the mentor to he man technically too. It made him keep pushing forward to try to do good that that saved that story when we talked about that. This one I can't figure out for the life of me why this needed to be told here, because it doesn't show Adam experiencing any loss. It doesn't show He-Man experiencing loss. It's the potential of that, and that to me is like if I was Zodak, I'd go, "This is bullshit." Like, there's nothing here showing me what you're trying to tell me. The next one, yes, absolutely. The next story does a really good job of it. This one to me is just like. It needed to be retooled and and go back to the drawing board and figure out how to make this work better. So I I'm very I, underwhelmed by this story. Yeah, I a, took it as I mean the only other thing you can say for the loss is kind of that general like we had the great wars back there and theoretically we lost something. Yeah. Um, this one this probably, story I think it would have been better served. If you had done it instead of Beastman showing them a vision of the future to actually have them like in that future storyline, like Beastman comes to warn them about mm-hmm. the Horde and the Horde shows up and they lose the village, but He-Man, Teela, and Beastman still make the choice to go forward and, and try and save Eternia. That or the other option is they're fighting that you know they're fighting that un, unwinnable fight. Yeah, and you know, like have instead of having He Man and Teela be at odds with each other, have it be they have a uneasy alliance maybe in this situation. And during the battle, Teela <laughs> does have the warrior's death, which makes He Man see that, and then he deals with the loss of of his, right. you know, his his compatriot or whatever and then at least you have something but in this there was literally okay so he lost the fight with teela is that what you're telling that's lame like he-man's lost fights before it's not really like you know this is the first time he's ever experienced loss i mean geez i think we're on the same page instead of this being a future threat we needed to see the threat in this yes yeah so um yeah that was an interesting one it's funny too because there was a part of me, especially towards the end when the dragon showed up, I got flashbacks to that. Uh, the un- Remember when we covered the unused He-Man origin story? Yeah. Where he was just a villager and they used like the super soldier machine, basically. Yep. And when the dragon showed up, before they said it was Grandamir, it reminded me of, because in Skeletor in that, he shows up riding dragons. Yeah. With all the yeah. beastmen and everything, and they kill the village. I'm like, for a second there, and not knowing how close the end of the story were, I'm like, oh, we're going here. That Same kind cool. of thing where He-Man loses his whole village, and you know he then has to make the choice to be the champion of Eternia after all that loss. 
and the woman he loved and it like oh we're going like i got really excited there for a minute and then it's like oh no we're we're not doing it we're not doing that no we're not <laughs> I'll, have to I'll, I'll have to come up with a I'll get you guys the episode number for that before we end. I'll find I'll find out which one it was because it was a really cool unused comic concept uh, that we covered ages ago. Yeah. Uh, but first, let's jump into the second story: Twilight of Eternia. Uh, this one starts off with a couple black panels and doom, 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 doom. And there is our new Eternia-esque He-Man uh, mm -hmm. waking up from a hangover. <laughs> and I mean that we're not implying. Manny Faces literally tells him, uh, He-Man says, I, I don't remember. And Manny Faces goes, of course not, Lord. You were even drunker than the rest of us. <laughs> we got He-Bro now. No offense yeah. to He-Bro. So but we got, you know he-Man, we got Ram-Man, we've got Manny Faces, and Stratos. I think you're looking for He-Bra. Yeah, He-Bra, that's right. Bra. 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 B-R-A-H, people, not bro. Sorry. <laughs> Once he was the favorite son of Chieftain Randor the Red. Now, stripped of his true family name, this He-Man is the shame of the Eternal Realms. But he is not alone. They call themselves... Masters of the Universe. And we see Stratos flying and He-Man, Ram-Man, and Manny Faces on a boat that's basically horizontal at this point. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> They're not good at what they do, but they, they, they have heart. We'll put it that way. They have something. Uh, Stratos, Stratos says, the ship is bent and broken like Ramat's yeah. mother. Like Ramat's mother. <laughs> I like that line, actually. Yeah, because they're basically, like you said, they're the college boys yeah. with powers, and they just give each other shit the entire time. Mm -hmm. uh, and basically, they got drunk last night and crashed their ship. Um, and they believe on the Isle of Grey Skulls. Um, and, uh, yeah, the Isle of Grey Skulls, spoken of in the great poems, said to be as haunted as the look in Stratos' wife's eyes. <laughs> <laughs> I know that look all too well for my own purposes. So <laughs> that line made me laugh, too. <laughs> Uh, but He-Man swears that he heard the sound of steel upon steel when he woke, and that there has to be a shipwright who can fix their boat. So they head up through snowy mountains. They get attacked by wolves uh, that they fend off, and they come to this cave where they hear the clang, doom, 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 steel on steel. And He-Man says, well, uh, you know, Rayman says, well, it could be Dark Elves. And He-Man goes, well, Dark Elves uh, brew beer, too. So mm -hmm. He-Man's looking for his next uh, drunkenness. And they head down into this cavern, and they find Trapjaw and Skeletor with a captured sorceress uh, forging a power sword. And 
uh, Skeletor is saying that, you know, he he's going to create this chaos sword. He's going to destroy everything, the sorceress, all that. It's typical Masters of the Universe stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, Stratos and Rayman think that they need to free the sorceress and stop this guy, even though we don't know who he, you know, we don't know who he is, but we need to stop him. And uh, He-Man says, no, we're good. We, uh, she's not our responsibility. And they leave. Mm-hmm. Uh, they go to make camp, and they find out that Rayman has a wineskin hidden beneath his armor, and that he's been holding out on them. Uh, He-Man proceeds to get drunk as the others look at him, look on at him. Uh, and he wakes up to everything on fire being destroyed, Stratos on the ground dying. I, and he says, he, man, you know, we couldn't let the woman suffer. We tried to save her and we failed. I did not see the twist coming. That was, that took me by surprise when he wakes up and they're all dead, basically. Yeah. I loved it. Uh, like, I, I don't, not, not that I love seeing those heroes die, but I love the fact that it, it proved like it, it, if you're talking multiverse and stuff, it's that whole even in a different world, these characters have it in them to be heroes, even if their lives aren't as heroic as they are in the version we know. So that just that that had me going, oh damn! Like I I really love that they did it, and like Stratos being the one who's the I don't know why that that affected me because typically you don't see him in battles. He's not the the first person I think of going into the fight and for him to be there trying to fight uh, Skeletor and then being like the last one to tell He-Man what happens. Like, yeah, that's pretty effective. (laughs) So. Yeah, no, it it took me by surprise. And and like I said, just, just for everyone to be dead, it's like, okay. And then He-Man, you know, he goes into this barbarian rage and Mm -hmm. he grabs his battle ax and his shield and, uh, you know, he remembers this time when he was angry at another uh, chieftain and he just went into a blind rage and that's what he does now. He goes in, he kicks trap jaw, teeth fly out, you know, he, he clashes with Skeletor and he ends up uh, throwing it back into the fire pit that he forged the sword from. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the, the other thing that I thought was really cool about this fight is he literally grabs the sword and is holding the sword while Skeletor is trying to run through with it. So the whole time he's like holding it and you even see tears. And the best part is, is it tears because he lost his friends or is it tears because he's getting cut or both reasons? Oh, it's gotta be the friends at this point. He's in, he's in the barbarian rage. He's not pain, but you can see the blood coating the blade. Like, yeah. And he avenges his brothers and uh, she, Sorceress says a strange line here that I have not been able to figure out. She says, Skeletor returns to the mistress whose face he wears, but not without great cost. Like, I don't know who that's supposed to refer to. I figured it was just death. Like, in, in, uh, in Marvel Comics... Thanos is always in love with death, and death is pictured as like a woman in a cloak, but with a skull. Yeah. Face. 
So I figured that was maybe like his shorthand of death is his mistress kind of a vibe, you know, but at least that's, that, that's my take. Maybe there's a different take on it. Yeah. That's just weird. Cause that's never really been a, a master's thing. You know what I mean? Like, and she even says, but not without great cost. So I don't know. I just, I didn't get the, I got more of the idea like, oh, he'll be back type of thing. Mm-hmm. So, uh, but yeah, she's in, he realized that she, she pulled the same trick as the beast man shaman. She's free because she is just a manifestation of this realm of Eternia. Uh, and now she tasks him with guarding this blade and its terrible power because if it's used, it will destroy everything. And it shows He-Man walking out of another entrance to the cave and it shows him on the drawbridge of Skull that's built into the top of this island. And I, I really like that image of Skull as a whole island. It's a, yeah. a cool image. Um, and kind of him finding his destiny after great loss. So it kind of reminds me of uh, some of the scripts. If, if uh, <clears throat> listening has had the chance to listen or to read some of the scripts for the potential movie that we'll get one day, quote unquote, um, there was one where uh, Grayskull did rise out of water. Yep. If I remember right. So it's almost like they gave a nod to that using that visual. Uh, and then we are treated back to a wraparound story. Uh, Zodak comes back out of the mirror screaming, enough. Uh, he says, I see now, even in realms plagued by war and death, he man prevails in spirit. I need not make your Adam suffer to know this. Um, and she invites him to view universes of heroes inspired by He-Man to come enforce her and treat yourself to hope as in the final mirror we see our beloved uh, CGI version of He-Man. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, the second story, I definitely like that a lot more. Um, it was a really interesting take of a rock bottom drunken addict He-Man like, but and then he gets all of his powers and everything. Like it's, it's honestly, it's, I know it's not exactly it or even off of it, but it reminded me, you know, uh, Mike Young Productions in the beginning where Adam like rejects everything and takes off. And it's like, well, this is kind of universe where like, what if he rejected everything and just took off for years? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like that's, it's a really interesting concept. And now what does he do here? You know, and it almost even sets up the old thing of can't let Skeletor get the power sword at the same time in a bit more of an interesting way to me, really, because he man's already he man, but this blade means the end of the universe. Like, and so now he's got to protect it. Like Mm -hmm. that's, I like that twist on it. It's, I mean, this this version of He-Man, to me, is like Andrew Garfield's Spider-Man in No Way Home. Yeah. Because he's he's setting, like, if they, if they continue that story, you know, like, I can see this one being the one where they have, like, the, he wasn't there to protect his friends, so he'll be there to protect somebody else. And it's his 
his MJ moment where he's he's just standing there with the tears in his eyes when he rescues her and all that stuff. And for me, I'm a sucker for that kind of a moment because redemption arcs are always fun, typically. But this this story, I would have rather had the whole comic be that story because I feel there was a lot more they could have. I mean, it, it was it was a pretty concise story. It actually worked well in what they were talking about of you know the the he man that experiences loss and all that stuff. Um, and even the art, like the art grew on me. It it reminded me of some of like the the newer cartoons where they are more edgy and they are able to do more adult related humor and adult related content. So it worked within that story as well, where it's like, here's a drunk He-Man and a drunk quote unquote masters of the universe. And I, the other thing that I liked as well is I like those ragtag teams. So the fact that it's not He-Man, Teal, I mean, I like that. It's like, here's Manny faces who's un, unable to choose what, face he's going to be yeah. i like that part of it and then ram man being ram man and stratus it's like i wouldn't have pictured that as a team for my my own purposes but within that i'm like i kind of dig those guys now and i kind of it's like it made stratus actually kind of like a pretty cool character for for me for one of the first times yeah no it was fun it was fun seeing them in that kind of just a whole different kind of tone for them but at the end of the day they're still heroes and they're still yeah they need to um, all right, so the issue as a whole. Now, let's remind people of our new improved rating system. So we've got the best of the best is three power swords. Then two power swords is a good issue. One power sword, it, it was okay, but I enjoyed it. Uh, then we got a Zodak, which is just right in the middle. It was neither good nor bad. It was just there. Uh, and then one Havoc Staff is bad, two Havoc Staffs is worse, and three Havoc Staffs is, oh, God, this needs to be burned and stricken from our memories. So, Sean, where are you at? Uh, on uh, For the whole issue, I will give it one Power Sword, I guess, because I did like that second story a lot, and it, it made my imagination definitely, you know, get excited of the possibilities uh that first story though it just it was not firing on all cylinders in any way shape or form that made me enjoy it as much as the second story yeah i think i think i'm gonna agree with you i think i'm gonna go with a one power so i really wanted to give it a zodak mm. and before we started talking it probably would have been a zodak but that second story is just too good to yeah that's that's a big problem. See, that's the but, thing. If if I did it based on the stories, the yeah. last story would have gotten two or three power swords. I would have said, I would have said two story, power swords for the second, and it was okay like, for the first. I I would have given the first one actually a one havoc staff at least. Okay. I, I and and again I. I hate critiquing other artists because, you know, it's it's their talent, it's their interpretation. But my God, looking at that, there's so much mispotential in the ways that it was drawn. And it was so confusing in the ways it was drawn that I, it's like, if you brought in any other artist to do this one, it might have saved it. I really, I, and I hate saying it, but no, I, I don't think that one worked every and that's what gets me is every single one that we've reviewed 
both stories usually have something redeeming or something yep. that I like about them. This is the first time where I'm like, that first story was garbage and they should have done something different with that one. Well, the, one of the worst parts of it is, is this is the standard cover. Yeah. And not that does you never. Are, you are pumped. Yes. You got that metal looking Skeletor. You've got, look how big the Shaman Beast Man is supposed to be. He is a huge dude. Uh, Tila's bra cups actually have something holding them onto her besides willpower. Yes. He besides great. willpower. Like lightning <laughs> in the background, swords drawn, and then you get that. Like, like the, uh, the other friend, thing. I think the second artwork, it, it, it grew on me. Yeah. I like it. By the end of it, I'm like, okay, I like this is the right art for this story. Yes. But that first one is just, it's just way too plain. Way too no, plain. No, absolutely. And and the, the, the problem, too, for me is, like, it, it is, like, that, that cover, as much as I love that cover, it's false advertising. Like you said, it, it bugs me. There we go. He's back. It's because I had my... I keep setting stuff on top of my camera cord and it pulls out. I need to. I need to <laughs> oh, you know how else. I am, but when I get all like gestury, all of a sudden the iPad falls. So yeah, I, I get it. I get it. Yeah. So, all right. So all that's left now is issue four. We got mm. one issue of this left. Uh, Master Universe, Masterverse issue four on sale, May 17th. As the deal between the Sorceress and Zodak reaches its tense conclusion, they witness worlds where He-Man's good heart and strong will have influenced influenced a new generation. In Unfakeable Masters, featured in the CGI Netflix animated series, He-Man and the Masters Universe, confront their own doppelgangers. While in the Mega Beast Matrix, the He-Force is called upon once again to battle a very modular threat to the entire multiverse. So we're going to see Fakers... For the CGI show. And we're going to see Modulok and Multibot battling the He-Force. I... Nah. It's, it's weird because... I'm excited to see, especially some more stuff with Netflix, the CGI one. Because I think that is just an amazing series that we need more of. Um, but... Like, everything we've had up till now, even if it's kind of spun off or taken roots of some existing media, has not been that. Yeah. So it's kind of weird that for the final issue, we're going literally to the CGI universe and back to the Eternity War universe, which has had, I mean, that had a whole comic series. It had, you know, the He-Man, the Masters Universe, and then Eternity War, and then they even showed up in Multiverse. So, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm. It's just a weird feeling I got. Like, why are we going to these established, well done, you know, well trodden canons instead of just keeping with the anthology thing of here's here's an interesting new world. That's my only trepidation going into this final issue. The only thing I could figure for that is the fact that it won't take. You, you don't have to go in and go, oh, there's going to be all of this buildup leading into this story. It'll just be, boom, here's the story. 
and we've already like we as fans have already known what those are about but it like i never thought of it but yeah it is kind of weird that we've had all these variations to the theme but now at the very end we're going right to ones that we already know and love or at least in some cases we know and because the he force thing is never going to win me over like that that's one of those <laughs> I, I can I can be swayed usually by stuff that at first it might seem weird and then I I'm like yeah but you know what it has this or it has yeah. that the the he force thing I can't I can't wrap my head around that being something that I even need like I don't mind the idea of sharing the power within the CGI universe and each of them having their own things like man at arms is tech and you know all yeah. the deal with the magic and everything. But the fact that it's just all He-Man, it's like, that's weird. That's just, I don't know. It's 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 almost too much. It's like the, that you're giving away the individuality. Like, there's people out there that they already are annoyed with the we have the power. It's like, yeah, but at least they have their own skill sets. It, 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 they, it's like Ram Man, Ram Ma'am isn't being He-Man. She's yeah. relying on her own skill. And it's like, He-Force is just He-Man. It's like, all right. <laughs> so, yeah, we'll have to wait and see. But it's, it's interesting too because it's like, okay, so we're going into, you know, how the He Man can, you know, how she put the, how he influences future generations. Yeah. But like, I guess that's the case for Eternity War because he's kind of their mentor. But like in CGI, like he's right there with them. He's not future generations. That's literally his generation with Rain mm -hmm. Man and Tila and Duncan and everything. So it would have been cool. Oh, again, I'm criticizing before it's even out. But if you're going to go future generations, like do a story with Dare and flesh that out a little bit. Or even, you know, something something really offbeat. Do a, do a Legion of Superheroes type of thing where it's like 2,000 years after He-Man and, you know, what comes of that? You know, what... You know how the Legion of Superheroes was inspired by Superman or Superboy, depending on the continuity. Like, what does that look like in Eternia? Like, yeah, that could be it. Even honestly, even if that was what the He Force was, like that could be an interesting little spin on the He Force. But I have a feeling we're going to see that same He Force that we saw in Multiverse. Yeah, but if like, if, like He Force was like two thousand years after He Man, this group of kids decides to start you know band together in he-man's memory and become the he-force and fight evil in his name mm -hmm. like what where's that go that like, or that, that could be I, a nice I, I spin just, on it which would be more in line with what we've been seeing from these comments is taking something we think we know and kind of spinning it a little bit yeah yeah i'm for me uh I don't know, like even doing a story like I know, um, I know on our off-world episode, uh, either the, the 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 one leading into our first one or whatever, Jesse brought up in uh, which one was it the the Last Jedi? They have that kid with the broom at the end of the the movie, and it's yeah. that whole hope that the four, and it's like, you know, for me, I would have loved to it to see a story that reminds me of my childhood where it's the idea that this kid believes so much in this myth and nobody thinks he's cool for it because everybody's outgrown it, but he won't let it go. 
then that means that then because of his belief, that was enough that fires up the power of Grayskull again. And then that let you know it leads to him getting this the the power through his belief and through his, you know, something along those lines where it's like it's not because like I love that at the end of Eternity War where he holds the sword out to the reader. You know, and it's like it's it's kind of got that vibe, and I, I appreciate that just for you know, when I was a kid, this meant the world to me. And then all of a sudden, you know, it, having some kid that's able to have that happen to them in a story would be pretty cool. And it's the influence of He-Man and the fact yep. that he believes He-Man would do the right thing. He-Man is the good guy. He-Man could fight the fights that no human could in that way and stuff. And um, But I, honestly, no, I'm I'm still excited because CGI, yep. I'm, I'm always there with CGI. So the fact that we're still in the will they or won't they renew it phase because it's not canceled yet. It hasn't been stated. So, you know, I'm just crossing my fingers. This is not the last time that we see them. I hope we see them again soon. So. Agreed. Agreed. Um, and real quick here, I did find it. That was episode 53 is where we discover we discussed the unpublished women origin. Um, so yeah, go check out episode fifty-three. It was it's a, it's a good story. It really is, and uh, I remember we had some good discussion on it. And yeah, so we'll leave you with that, guys. Let us know what you think about this Masterverse issue three. Uh, let us know in the comments down below. You can email us at logpod85 at gmail.com if you don't want to comment. Um, and we will be back soon with episode one hundred. One hundred. <laughs> All right, guys. Until next time, read a comic. Oh, come on. Oh, Oh!